Greetings, adventure. Welcome to the D20 Academy podcast. I'm your host, Shalo Kanishiro, and this is episode 30, Class Spotlight on the Monk. Hey everyone, welcome to this month's Class Spotlight. This is a segment where I spend an entire episode breaking down a D&D class, giving you its basic description, its strengths, its weaknesses, some of its key features. Uh, I go over subclasses, uh, and I finally go over like what playstyle it best fits, the kind of players who would most enjoy playing a monk, and the kind of players who would maybe uh, not enjoy playing a monk as well, to kind of help you as players decide um, what kind of class you want to play, maybe learn some more about your class, and for DMs to get more familiar with all the classes as well. Um, I'm really excited to get into this one. This is one of my favorite classes in the whole game, Um, so I want to jump into this as soon as possible, but real quick, if you guys want to keep up with the podcast, with updates and things, um, we're working on so many other things here at at D20 Academy, not just the podcast. If you want to keep up to date with that, if you want to have some say in that, uh, connect with us. Uh, Go ahead and follow it at D20 underscore Academy. Um, so you can keep up with all of that cool stuff there. Um, but without further ado, let's get into the monk. Okay, so monks in Dungeons and Dragons are kind of martial artists, mystics, and superheroes all at the same time. Um, the, these monks are drawn from the Eastern concept of like a martial artist monk rather than like a Gregorian monk from the West, you know, like a friar, um, like Catholic kind of monk. Um, this is like Eastern you know, Japanese, Chinese kind of monk. Um, and it's kind of inspired by that. Um, but of course, this is fantasy, so it kind of stretches it uh, in, you know, to like a being who just kind of has abilities beyond human capability. They can deal massive blows with just their fists. They can grab and throw back arrows. They can run faster than a normal human, jump farther than a normal human. They can run up walls, run on water. They can understand all the languages. They can become immortal. All this kind of stuff. Uh, monks in Dungeons and Dragons are kind of this fantastical, mystical, um, superhuman uh, character. Um, they are martial fighters, um, and they kind of have more varied play in combat and additional superhuman abilities. Um, you know, just just kind of like your classic Jackie Chan, Jet Li. Uh, you know, these kind of kung fu um, martial artist masters of, like, wuxia films. Um, but it kind of has this added element of magic, mysticism, supernatural, um, more than just, like, your classic, like, uh, you know, your classic wuxia film or, or kung fu film. Um, so monks kind of have an interesting history in Dungeons & Dragons. Um, they kind of came into the D&D scene in 1975 uh, in the Blackmore supplement for the original game. Um, the Blackmore Supplement was um, a, a, a little handbook that was uh, there to add some more rulings um, on more detailed things, I believe like mounts, and also introduced the monk and I believe like the assassin or some, something like that, uh, another class. Um, and the monk was this weird off-theme class that was kind of just made to simulate ninja masters in like a western medieval fantasy setting. Um, this was before Dungeons and Dragons really took off, really became famous, um, and the creators of the game, um, they were just kind of making stuff for themselves, the kinds of things they wanted to play. And a couple of, of those guys were really into Wuxia films, really into Kung Fu films, and wanted to be able to play a character like that, so they made the monk class to be able to simulate that. Um, with not without really thinking about the ramifications it would have on the actual game and the people who played the game, because once again in 1975, 
really was not a very popular game, not a lot of people were playing it, it didn't really blow up and skyrocket in popularity like during the 80s. Um, so the, the, the guys at uh, TSR and, and Gary Gygax and, and all those, the, those people working on the game during this time were kind of just creating stuff for themselves. Um, and the, the monk was kind of one of those things. Um, just some guys wanted to kind of simulate those, you know, being a ninja master. Um, so that's why they made the monk. And uh, that's why it just feels so weird and off genre, off theme. Um, because obviously this Eastern Kung Fu monk seems really weird in like this Western medieval fantasy world with knights and kings and wizards. Um, but that's because they weren't really thinking about that during that time. Once again, this game was not popular. Um, so they're just kind of making stuff to just play around with, have fun with. And that's why the monk uh, is in Dungeons and Dragons in the first place. Um, but why it feels so weird and seems so strange that they would include this, you know, martial artist, Eastern uh, inspired monk in in this, you know, Western medieval fantasy game. Um, now, until 5th edition, uh, monks have been bad, unbalanced, and sometimes downright unplayable. Um, sometimes monks were treated as their own class, sometimes they were treated as a subclass to like a cleric or a monk, uh, sorry, or a rogue, um, and the monk has gone through tons of just strange variations over the history of the game, um, and it's probably like one of the least played classes just because of its strange off-genre, off-balanced nature. Um, it, 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 like, looking at the history of monks in, in Dungeons & Dragons is really interesting. It just has a really, they just have really weird, uh, really weird past in the game, um, just gone through tons of different weird iterations. Um, in some editions, they were, like, appeared as, like, one of the core classes. In some, like, 4th edition, they came in Player's Handbook 3, a supplement that came way later after 4th edition was, like, began and it was being played. Um, and it's just, it was, like, played as a psionic class in 4th edition, but didn't really have any psionic abilities. It, it's just always been weird. Mostly, it's also been bad. Um, really not playable, really not powerful. Um, and in the earlier editions of the game where you, uh, you know, there's much more randomness when it came to creating your character. You didn't have as much control as you do now in like fourth and fifth edition. You had to like roll for your race. You had to like roll for your ability scores. Um, you know, you could choose what number goes into what ability score. You kind of had to just roll and put that number in. Um, each class kind of had these prerequisites, um, a certain score you had to have in, in your abilities to be able to play a class. Um, and the monk required like almost every single ability in these earlier editions they needed high dex high con high wisdom high like charisma like all these almost all the abilities needed to be high for them so it was near impossible to even meet the prerequisites to play them and even then they were just bad and complicated and weird um but now finally in fifth edition we have a good balanced badass monk class um while it does draw uh, many comparisons to the monk versions of older editions. It's just finally simple, refined, balanced, and also legitimately playable. Um, the only thing, though, is that, you know, they've done so much for the monk class, and it's finally a playable class, balanced. Uh, it, it's matched in power level to most other class in 5th edition. Uh, that, that, that's really cool. I'm so glad they did that. But the one thing is still the weird, like, genre shift. Um, I'll get into more of this later. But just, you know, the strange thing that this completely eastern inspired class is in this western medieval uh uh you know world so that's still that's still a thing um with the monk and i'll talk a little bit more about this later on in the episode um but yeah other than that in fifth edition the monk is awesome uh it's balanced it's 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 great it's really fun to play 
um, all that, and uh, let's get into that right now. So, monks obviously appear everywhere in martial arts and Wuxia films, right? Things like Ip Man, Drunken Master, Kung Fu Panda. The archetype is pretty well known. Um, you know, kind of a mystical, wise martial artist who hails from a monastery, beats up bad guys with superhuman abilities, right? This archetypal monk is, is, is pretty popular um, in modern pop culture, um, definitely in, in things like film. Um, monks have many strengths in 5th edition, um, and they're actually one of the more powerful classes from, from my experience and from what I've found. They are great damage dealers and frontliners, like fighters, barbarians, and paladins. Um, their armor class and health is actually somewhat lower than these other kind of frontliners and tanks, um, but their defensive capabilities that they get um, as they level up can keep them alive just as long. Um, they are very defensive classes and offensive classes. They um, are just they strike this really good balance when it comes to martial fighting. Um, I think the, the 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 main thing though for monks, their biggest strengths is they excel and their utility use on the battlefield. They can single out targets, sprint towards them, and just cripple, disable, or just kill them in mere rounds, a single turn. Um, they're excellent duelists, one-on-one -on -one fighters, um, and they even have a couple great uses outside of combat. Uh, like exploring places extremely hard to reach, they can understand and speak all languages, they can turn invisible, they can astral project, and yeah, they can also live forever. Um, so they're a pretty interesting class. They have tons of different abilities. They're super varied. Um, their, their utility um, in being able to affect the battlefield in many different ways and really affect the enemies in different ways and have all those options during combat uh, really makes them a lot of fun for, for many people. Um, and really makes them interesting. Um, monks don't have any obvious or blatant weaknesses, um, and they work well alone, and they also work well with allies. Um, their damage output isn't the best in the game, um, but you know their ability to harass the enemy, disrupt them in all kinds of ways, while also dodging most attacks and resisting most conditions, just makes them very good. Um, like the fighter, they are a good all-around combatant, and they have fun, versatile options to spice up gameplay. Okay, now I want to get into something uh, called race and background synergy, where I kind of talk about how the, the class works with different um, races and backgrounds. Um, but hopefully, I, I don't want you to get this misconstrued. Um, I, I do this to, to help um, people kind of understand just kind of the, the stereotypical monk and kind of what would fit into. And for beginning players, um, what stereotypes and races and backgrounds might they choose to be a monk um, to be able to really get into the character and, and understand it much more. Um, but also, um, you know, you can hear these kind of stereotypes and, and the, the, the races and backgrounds that the monk synergizes with, and then totally pick opposites of those to create a unique and interesting character. Um, I'm not saying at all that these are the races and backgrounds you should choose um, if you want to be playing the monk, just things that, you know, races that kind of work well with it because they have ability score boosts, and, you know, kind of backgrounds that, were, that make sense with the kind of the class and the archetype of the class. But this does not mean you are beholden to these or that these are the best race or background to choose. Obviously, I want you guys to be able to choose the, the race and the background that you want to choose, that, that you think makes the best character. Um, but um, just hopefully, I, I want to be able to make that clear. Um, just getting right into it, monks, uh, their primary ability is dexterity um, for, you know, doing kung fu and, and attacking. Um, but also their wisdom for all their kind of mystical abilities. So those are kind of the two highest you want. Um, races like elves, uh, especially wood elves, um, halflings and humans make really good monks. 
while races like Dragonborn Dwarf and Tiefling don't fit as well, not just thematically, but also because of the, the ability score boosts and such that they provide. The stereotypical background um, for a monk would be a hermit, uh, and maybe like a seer or an acolyte perhaps, but a hermit, you know, someone who kind of lived with just a couple of people in like a monastery, uh, you know, kind of in the wild, disconnected from civilization. That's kind of the typical uh, monk character. And the least stereotypical would be like a sailor or an urchin, um, you know, someone who grew up around a lot of people or, you know, traveling a lot rather than just kind of staying in a single place and just learning, uh, you know, how to be a monk and, and learning from masters or whatever. But once again, you can choose whatever background race you want. These are just the ones that kind of work the best with the monk or make the most sense thematically with the monk. Okay, um, the fe the first feature I want to spotlight, the first uh, a monk feature I want to look at is one called martial arts. Now, um, for most of these class spotlights, I do a feature spotlight on two, um, two uh, features for that class that... Um, or, or like mostly unique to that class or really to help define what that class does um, in the game. But it's a little hard for the monk because the monk has the most features of any class. Um, they get tons of unique features. Um, every single like level they get all these new different features um, that no other class gets access to. Um, so it's a little hard because they just there's so many features to choose from. Um, but because there's, you know, kind of so much. I kind of went with like four feature spotlights instead of two just because there's so much to talk about with the monk and they just have so many different cool features. Uh, the first one I'll talk about is martial arts. Uh, this is kind of the primary feature for the monks. This is what they get at first level. And this allows them to continue being powerful combatants um, using only unarmed strikes um, as the game progresses. Um, you know, unarmed strikes in Dungeons and Dragons are typically one of the weakest attacks. You, they don't do much damage, and no one's really going to use them unless unless the game kind of you know the story kind of leads to like a tavern brawl or an arena fight or some kind of fist fight. Um, would you would characters ever use unarmed strikes? Um, but mostly, if you're going to be using a weapon, if you're like a fighter or barbarian or paladin, you want to take an actual weapon like a sword or an axe or a hammer that deals tons of damage. Um, you know, on the battlefield. And so wizards kind of, uh, you know, had this thing where the monk, uh, right, this kung fu martial artist is someone who doesn't use weapons typically, right? They may use like nunchucks or, or a bow staff or size or, you know, throwing stars a couple times. But, but you know, mostly you want to play one who can punch and kick and, and flip and deflect blows with their forearms and just, you know, take down bad guys without having to use any weapons. But... You know, obviously, the unarmed strike doesn't deal as much damage as most other weapons, and, you know, definitely when you get to higher level, your unarmed strikes are just going to get weaker and weaker and weaker and just be eclipsed um, by by weapon-wielding characters. So, wizards want to make sure that this was balanced, so that as the other weapon-wielding, uh, you know, melee-fighting ca characters um, get stronger and stronger and deal tons of damage with their, uh, you know, axe and sword attacks that the monk can be doing just as much without actually having to have any weapons. And that is where martial arts comes in. Um, this allows them to use unarmed strikes to deal much more damage than they usually do, um, to make multiple attacks with their unarmed strikes, so it kind of balances that out. The first thing martial arts gives is the, uh, the ability to use dexterity instead of strength. Um, monks are a dexterity-based class. Um, they want to have high armor class, um, which comes from dexterity. Um, they, you know, all their unarmed strikes and stuff are going to be using like dexterity. 
Um, so the ability to use dexterity instead of strength for their unarmed attacks, uh, and for the rare times they attack with like a bow staff or a uh, nunchucks or whatever it is, um, they can use dexterity. Uh, it also allows them to take an extra attack with a with their bonus action after they take the attack action. So kind of like when you're using a light weapon, like a dagger or a short sword or a scimitar, and after you make an attack with one, you can use your bonus action to make an attack with the other. Um, monks get the same ability with their unarmed strikes. So if you use your action to make one punch, you can use your bonus eh, one punch. Uh, you can use your bonus action to make a punch uh, with the other fist or unarmed strike in some way, a kick or a headbutt, whatever it is. Um, so that's that that's really cool that they also get that ability, um, and then also uh, it increases the damage they deal as they level up. Um, so. Uh, usually when you're on a strike, it will deal damage equal to 1 plus your strength modifier, which is not a lot of damage. But uh, as a monk, it deals 1d4 plus your dexterity modifier or strength if you're going to be using strength. But typically you're going to be using dexterity as a monk, um, uh, which is obviously much more damage than just 1. Uh, 1 plus your strength, 1d4 plus your dexterity. Um, and plus getting those extra attacks with your bonus action every turn you're dealing basically as much damage as a regular weapon wielder. Um, but this damage also scales. When you get to 5th level, your armor strikes deal 1d6 plus your dexterity. When you get to 11th level, they deal 1d8 plus your dexterity. When you get to 17th level, they'll do 1d10 plus your dexterity. Right? So by the time you get to the higher levels, all your punches are, are you know dealing just as much damage, if not more damage, than than, than you, you know your weapon-wielding allies, like, like your paladin or your fighter or your barbarian. Um, so because of this scaling damage as you level up, it keeps the monk at the same level as these other classes and doesn't let them fall behind when it comes to dealing damage with their um, attacks. Um, the martial arts feature also provides monks with monk weapons, which are short swords and then any other simple weapon without the two-handed or heavy properties. Basically, this allows you to be a full-on martial artist monk or one if you want to use bow staff, nunchucks, size, etc., like I said. Um, if you want to be a monk who uses weapons as well, this allows you to use weapons that also scale with damage and keep you balanced. Um, or you can just play the crazy kung fu monk who only uses their fists and feet. So that's martial arts. That's kind of the key feature of the monk. Um, that's kind of their main thing. Um, next is key. Key they get at second level. Um, and this is a really awesome feature. This is exclusive to the monk class. And the, this kind of gives them access to a pool of key, which is kind of like spiritual, mystical energy. Um, and they can spend this uh, pool of key in a multitude of ways. They have an amount of key points equal to their level, and they can spend this in many different ways. At second level, you gain the Flurry of Blows, Patient Defense, and Step of the Wind features, uh, which are all kind of crazy powerful. Flurry of Blows allows you to spend a key point to make two um, unarmed strikes as your bonus action instead of just one that the martial arts uh, feature gives you. Patient Defense allows you to take the dodge action as a bonus action if you spend one key point, and Patient Defense allows you to take the disengage or dodge, or sorry, disengage or dash action um, uh, as a bonus action on your turn um, for just one key point. Um, so this kind of is beginning to, to show the kind of superhuman, superhero capabilities of a monk, right? They can punch up to like three times in a turn, right? Tons of attacks, like, uh, you know, faster than, than a regular person. Um, they have this patient defense. They can make a bunch of attacks in their turn and then also take the dodge action and then become, uh, uh, you know, defensive until their turn comes around. Step of the wind, they can also run uh, even more than, than other humans, run even faster. Um, 
Monks also gain the ability to, to run even faster when they're not wearing armor, and this also scales, so by the time you're like 20th level, you're rolling, running an additional 35 feet every turn, it's pretty crazy. Um, so these three features you get um, to spend your key on um, when you get to second level. And when you first get the ability, right, you have amount of key points equal to your level, so you get this at second level, you have two key points, um, and they refresh every, um, I'm not sure, was it, oh, long rest, short, short or long rest. Um, so, you know, you kind of have to use them a little sparingly at, at first. Um, only use two of these two of these features, right? Flurry of Blows, Patient Defense, or Step of the Wind, because uh, you only have two key points. But by the time you get, you know, to 10th, 15th, 20th level, you're making these every single turn. You might be spending multiple key points every turn, um, because, you know, this Flurry of Blows, making two extra attacks for your bonus action, only costs one key point. And in 10th level, you can be spending, you know, one key point every round easily to get all these extra attacks plus this extra thing. It, it is pretty crazy. Um, so this, def this, this key feature definitely gets more and more powerful as you level up. Um, key actually appears a couple other times uh, throughout the rest of the class. You gain more and more cool ways to spend key as you level up. Um, and I, I, in my opinion, it's a balanced but powerful resource that allows the monk many different options in combat, can make them feel like a badass. Um, you know, later on you get the ability to, to stun people with your key, or to turn invisible with your key, like crazy stuff. The next feature I want to spotlight is called Deflect Missiles. This is a feature you get at third level. This might be the coolest thing in the whole game. Um, this means you gain the ability to reduce the damage of ranged weapon attacks against you. Um by attempting to kind of like deflect the arrows or bolts. Basically when you take damage from like a ranged, like ranged weapon attack like a crossbow or a bow, you roll 1d10 plus your dexterity modifier plus your monk level and reduce the damage by that much. If you reduce the damage all the way to zero, then you can also spend uh, one key point to catch the arrow or the crossbow bolt and then throw it back and make an attack roll and throw it back at the attacker, which is just the coolest thing. Like, like thematically, um, this can lead to some just epic moments when you're playing in combat. Just having the monk get just get shot out by these like these goblins, these orcs, and just catch the orcs and just throw them back, and, and you know kill the guys who were shooting at them. This is just the most. This is so juicy and rich with with you know flavor and 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 theme, and I just love it so much. Um, it, it really helps cement the monk as this just superhuman, super uh, you know martial artist master, crazy. Um, supernatural being and i just i just really like that feature a lot um this final fourth feature spotlight is not kind of on one but of a couple um the monk gets like i said tons of unique abilities almost one new one every level um and a collection like collection of them have to do with your body there's purity of body timeless body empty body etc um these gives you the ability to like resist poison and disease live forever become invisible etc um, there are just tons of these little features throughout the class, um, just little things, getting resistant to this thing, or getting access to be able to speak and understand all languages, or be able to dodge better, or be able to resist charm or frightened effects. You just gain these little uh, uh, features uh, almost every single time you level up, and it, it makes leveling up with the monk really exciting. Um, you're not just getting new spell slots, you're not just getting more attacks or anything like that, um, you're getting... Uh, just straight up just like new unique features um, every single time you level up and it makes leveling up with with monks especially exciting compared to like most of the other classes okay now I want to talk about the subclasses um, for the monk there are three in the in the player's handbook in, in, in the core fifth edition material 
The first is Way of the Open Hand. Um, this is probably the most powerful subclass for the monk uh, in the core rulebook. It's kind of just a basic martial artist who gains features that allow them more disabling abilities in combat, some self-heal, um, and even Quivering Palm. The ability to Quivering Palm an opponent, which deals 10d10 damage. Yeah, you heard that right. Uh, you can deal 10d10 damage. It's it's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, Wave the Open Hand doesn't have a ton of flavor. It's just like you just kind of become more stronger at what you're already doing. Just a cooler martial artist. Um, it's pretty powerful. Um, the the abilities, the new abilities that you get at third level when you choose the subclass to just disable your opponent a little more, um, lock them prone, or like just make sure they don't have any reactions or anything can come up can actually be really useful, and I think that adds a little bit more flavor and choices and variety um, during combat, which is nice. The second one is the Way of the Shadow. This is kind of like a dark ninja themed monk. Um, it's, it's, it's balanced, I think. I think it's probably the most balanced of any of the, the monk subclasses. And I also like the cool, uh, kind of dark, ninja-sneaky-themed flavor. Um, you kind of just get some simple darkness-themed spellcasting. You get the ability to teleport through shadows to turn invisible, stuff like that. Um, you know, some pretty cool abilities. Once again, pretty balanced. Um, it fits the theme really well. Um, and it doesn't encroach too much on the territory of the rogue. Um, it you know, doesn't, be, doesn't make your monk too rogue-like. Instead, it goes into just a much more flavorful, just literally like shadow-themed um, subclass, which I, I think is really cool. The final uh, subclass is Way of Four Elements. And this is just such a downer because, I mean, it's an, it's an awful subclass. It's really bad. Um, definitely compared to the other subclasses for the monk, Way of Four Elements is just bad. Um, it is quite bad, but it's just really awesome thematically. Um, basically, it gives you a multitude of options to spend your key points on, and you can, like, cast elemental spells, you can do elemental-themed stuff, like, your strikes can, like, you know, create these flames of, like, you know, claw flames to, like, strike your opponents, you can cast burning hands, you can cast ice storm, you can cast whatever, all these different, like, elemental-themed spells in the book, and also some new elemental-themed stuff by spending your key points. It's such a cool, um, you know, very flavorful, very rich, flavorful um, subclass because, you know, this kind of concept of, like, the four elements and harnessing the four elements and, like, creating waves and shooting fire, um, you know, is something that's that's very tied to Eastern mythology and, you know, um, Wuxia films, especially, like, the Avatar The Last Airbender um, series, television series, which, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's the greatest television series in existence. Um, you know, it's based around the four elements. It has these martial artists who, you know, use their martial arts to be able to control the elements, whether it's fire or air or water or earth. And this subclass uh, had the potential to be something like that if you wanted to play that kind of character, um, which is just so cool and so uh, so so thematic and flavorful. But sadly, it is just not a good subclass. It's very low power level. Uh, the, it just costs way too much. And uh, it's just not that good. So I, I really wish that they could have made this more stronger, made it more balanced, because I think it's a really cool subclass. If you don't really care about being super strong or anything, then you can still take the subclass. It's fine. Um, but just keep in mind, it's just really not um, super strong. Um, def definitely one of the weaker subclasses in the whole player's handbook. Okay, finally moving on to like the playstyle. The playstyle this class best fits. What kind of players might want to play this uh, play this class? What kind of players might not really like playing this class? Um, 
first off, I want to just say monks are just awesome. They are one of my favorite classes in 5th edition. They just have a rich, badass theme, and they just feel really unique. Um, and, and definitely no doubt, when you play the monk, you feel awesome. Um, even if you're not the most powerful character in the party, like per se, during combat, like a paladin or a wizard, when you play a monk, you just feel awesome. You just have all these cool abilities that are just so rich and thematic and flavorful. And even if you're not actually the most powerful, you you feel awesome and you feel like you feel powerful. Um, and it's kind of hard uh, to, you know, underestimate that in Dungeons & Dragons because that's kind of the point of the game, right? To play this fantastical character and, and to feel like a hero and, and to do these heroic things and, you know, feel awesome. That's kind of the appeal. That's, you know, one of the appeals of Dungeons & Dragons. And the monk really just nails that down. It really, really nails that down. Um, definitely if you have a dungeon master who loves to, like, explain, um, you know, your attacks on monsters or the monster's attacks on you and really likes to use adjectives and goes into describing everything about combat and stuff, feeling like like being a monk, that might feel really awesome because, once again, your abilities are really rich and flavorful. The way that you can just punch a guy to death or the way that you can, you know, flurry of blows, punch, like, a million times in one turn, catch arrows, throw them back, run on water, crazy stuff like that. Um, having a having a DM who likes to describe these things and describe your attacks can really make you feel really awesome. Um, the monk's versatility and their options, it keeps combat very fresh, it keeps it non-repetitive, um, and their many, many features opens up the door to some cool creative options and things that you can do as a monk. I think the biggest and most glaring downside to the monk is just the offbeat theme and just how weird it is that an Eastern Kung Fu monk is chilling in a Western medieval world. Um, it's not too strange that it can like totally ruin a campaign, um, but I, I I don't see it like I I think it would make sense if like a ninja master may ban the class just because of the fact that it makes no sense in the setting. It can just feel weird and off in the setting. Um, I mean, in, one option is to take the concepts and like the class, but translate it thematically um, to kind of fit the setting. But that could still come across weird or nonsensical. Um, yeah, I'd say that's kind of just does the biggest thing is just thematically it just feels weird and off. Um, obviously I think it depends on your setting, um, and it may not be too, too much of an issue depending on who you're playing with or how serious you're taking the campaign or anything. Um, but that's probably just the biggest kind of downside to it is it just feels a little weird. There's just something a little off about it because it just doesn't really totally fit the genre, um, uh, of Dungeons and Dragons and this Western medieval fantasy game. Um, but if you're someone who, you know, wants to feel awesome in combat, play something a little more complex than your average fighter, I think the monk, the monk is a great option. Um, if you don't like the concept and the theme, you're not really into kung fu movies, waxia, you know, books, comics, movies, television shows, whatever it is, the monk can really fall apart and feel weird to play, um, because just its focus and genre is very obvious in all of its features and all of its abilities, um, it just... It's very obvious what this is trying to emulate, and I think, once again, it emulates it great. This martial artist who has mystical capabilities is kind of like a superhero. It, it, it emulates this, this very, very, very well, but, you know, if, if you're someone who doesn't really understand the genre or is really into the genre, it can be maybe a little hard for you to, for you to play this play, play a monk just because, um, you know, it's just so obvious what it's supposed to be and and the, the feel and, the, and the, like the theme that it is. Um, and so if you're not down with that, and if you don't really enjoy that, then this might not be a ton of fun for you. Um, but that's, that, that's kind of it for like the play style. Um, 
I, I think the monk is one of the, the best classes, one of the most versatile as well. I think mostly anyone can have fun playing the monk. But I think it really does come down to, to, the, to the thematic, uh, the genre element of the monk. Because if you're someone who just really doesn't like that or is really not in, interested in that, I think it can you know, not be a ton of fun for you. Okay, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I know it was a little shorter than what I usually do, um, but I got a ton of busy stuff this week. I'm doing lots of stuff, and there's people coming in cleaning the house and all that. So it's been kind of a crazy week, and uh, it's even a miracle I was able to get this this podcast episode out. Um, But hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you learned something. Um, If you're a player, maybe you found that the monk might be uh, the next class you want to play. That's awesome. Go ahead and look into it more. It's, it's really fantastic. One of my favorite classes. Maybe learned that you don't really ever want to play a monk. It's not really the one for you. That's totally fine as well. I'm glad I was able to help. Um, thank you guys just so much for listening. Once again, if you want to keep up with D20 Academy, if you want to uh, get updates on what's going on, the other things we're doing here, go ahead and follow it on Instagram at D20 underscore Academy. Um, But otherwise, thank you so much for listening and have a great week.